HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's October, October 1, 2, 2nd, 2012. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. We've got a special show for you tonight. Thanks to our sponsors, GreatBrewers.com, and to the Good Beer Seal, GoodBeerSeal.com. I'm joined by Ed Barastecki from Muggs Ale House in Brooklyn. Ed's going to be celebrating his 20th anniversary uh, open in Brooklyn. How are you doing, Ed? Welcome to the show. All right, Jimmy. Nice to see you again. So what's going on? You've been a bar owner for 20 years, and you've probably seen a lot of different beers. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier, I guess. Uh, 20 years, yes. New York's changed. It's changed. It's actually, I think, very, very psychotic now <laughs> as far as beer is concerned. It used to be very, I mean. So what? Before there were, weren't as many breweries, and you had, you, you had, a, I mean, you had like 12 or 16 lines, and you had trouble filling those, didn't you? Well, yeah. At one point, we actually contemplated about putting a three-barrel system into the bar to make up for styles that were missing and things like that. But that never came to fruition after seeing the BATF forms. (laughs) (laughs) But over the years, you've seen a a growth. And and, and tonight, we have a a new brewery in New York, Atlantic Brewing. We've got Enrica and uh, Tessa. Uh, from Maine, we're going to talk to them a little bit later. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hi. So thanks you for guys, us. you've had a family brewery in Bar Harbor since 1991. Yeah. And uh, now you're just starting to come into New York. So we have a lot going on with you this week, including at Jimmy's number 43. And also, we're going to have a, a calling guest, uh, a buddy who has the world's smallest production brewery uh, in Washington. I, I can't pronounce the name of the city, but it's it's Jim Jameson from Foggy Nog and Brewing at Fog Nog. And he'll be calling in in a little bit. Um, so this is the this is the show. We've got some special guests too. We donated uh, a craft beer day to the Culinary Trust, which is IACP Culinary's uh, charitable arm, and uh, Vernon Alex Volov Zvolev 
from uh, San Francisco are in studio tonight, and we'll get to say hi to them. I think they paid like $5,000 to be here today. And they're also getting dinner at Roberta's, which is kind of fun. And they had beers at Jimmy's number 43. So, all right. So, Ed, uh, let's, let's, let's start with beers. You, you brought some good beers. Um, I just uh, grabbed a couple of my favorites that aren't actually aren't available in New York. So, that's why I can't charge you guys for this. So, I have to just pour them for free. Um, we've got the Three Floyds Dreadnought and the Bell's Expedition. Uh, the Bell's Expedition I'm going to start off with because it's just one of my favorite stouts ever. And I think Great. it's... Let's pass it around to everybody. We've got a full... And we've got Jimmy. Jimmy, what's your last name? Lyons. Jimmy Lyons. He's the new New York City uh, Lagunitas rep. So we've got a full house here. And we're waiting for Brandon Moore from American Beer who's coming with the, the Atlantic Brewing beers, which we're dying to try. So, Ed, you know what? I love hanging out with you. you, you you're a... You've got great story. You also used to be a polka band player. What did you play in the polka band? Who told you this? You told I, me that the last time you were on. I drank too much last time. Um, what was the question again? What did you play in the polka band? I used to be a bass player in, uh, in my past life, and I uh, enjoyed it. Still pick it up once in a while, but with four kids and a wife, it becomes very difficult. So how do you feel going back to the beer? You know, when you started, th- you there weren't as many beer. beers available on draft. I remember when you, if you started, it was 1992. We started in 1992. We started with eight draft lines and expanded into 16, I think, about 95. And then progressively, we're at 32 right now. I think that's the cap for us, 32 and two beer engines. But so I, back then, I mean, there were some beers that we know, like Chimay, that you could only get in bottle. What were some of the beers that you had on draft and when you first opened? Well, the original lineup, I mean, I hate to say it, Bud and Coors Light were the first two, but they came off within two years. Um, but then we had, uh, and actually it was funny because Coors Light came off because we tried to put FX Matt Light up. So we were trying to get into that craft type of scene back then, but uh, after almost getting hit in the head with a chair, that's when it finally, everything came off, and we went with the uh, no crap on tap type of motif. Um, Bud, Coors Light, we had uh, Anchor Steam, uh, Murphy's, Fuller's ESB, Brooklyn Lager, uh, Newcastle, God, Bass, is that eight? <laughs> It sounds about it right. Maybe one, back or, then. maybe one or two more. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a nice blend. Um, but you know, when things went along, you're looking for new product. When we expanded to 16, we actually had three anchor products. We had the Liberty, the Steam, and Foghorn all up at one time. And Foghorn was our hit because back then we were charging like four or five bucks. Four, I mean, not even. I think three fifty four dollars for a pint and. That was our hit. (laughs) But now today, I mean, you still have some of these legacy brands. I call them legacy brands. I know you always have some Anchor Steam on. We always do because, I don't know, I have to kind of, it's even Brooklyn. We have some sort of rapport, you know, underlying rapport behind all of this. And um, I can't just say, like, goodbye to Sierra Nevada or goodbye to Anchor. Or even Brooklyn. I mean, even Brooklyn, I've, I, I should take care of better than I have. But again, like I told you earlier, it's just been a crazy market now. There's so much good beer coming in New York. You don't know what to do anymore. As far as me, an old man doing this um, uh, for 20 years, it's become a tough, tough type of business to run because you just have no idea. You got In the old days, brewery showed up. Hey, we'll give you a line. Beer pours, poured. All right, we'll keep it up. Here it goes, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes, and it's fine. Until it's slowed down, then we'll take it off. 
You can't do that these days. Uh, you can't promise a brewery a line. You just can't. There's so many breweries, nano breweries, micros and macros and everything else. So, you know, and even Lagunitas, I mean, look at them. They came into the market, but they came into the market, I think, at a good time because they got their name into the New York market. But now it's tough. I mean, these girls here, I... I and it's funny you said that it's the first time they were in New York, but I, th- I mentioned to them, I think they were in New York years ago. And I, had, I have one in a tap because <laughs> we poured their blueberry ale. So it's not the first time they've been in New York. But, uh, you know, they're in a good house, and, and I wish them good luck. And, um, but they've been around since 91, which is about as long as we've been around. And I, and I think that, you know, now coming into New York market... You know, it's like I said, wish, I wish them good luck. So, Ed, one thing that I really like about your bar, you have two size glasses. You've got, like, is it a, a 20 ounce for your pint? And then you have a smaller size? We do, we do the typical 20 and 10. You know, it's 20 and 10. And we do, our, we do a $3 monthly special. So it's our either we get, you know, a nice craft beer that is cheap that we can put up. It used to be, you know, Saranac years ago and things like that. But Saranac actually is inflated <laughs> like everything else is inflated so it's getting tough to do that and that three dollar special used to be a two dollar pint and that was a 16 ounce pint so we have three standard sizes and, and pitchers also but uh i like the 20 ounce pint i always felt that was a true pint and and not the 16 maybe because i'm six foot five and uh, i like it too and one thing i never really liked the american pint because it's really just a, a like a mixing glass and you know, I, it's funny you it said that. I don't, I don't, the, the glass is thick. I, I prefer like a 20 ounce. The 20 ounce is, it, I feel like you, you're really having a beer. The 16 ounce for me is like, it, it, it has a nice look to it though sometimes when you see them. But I, I you know, the, those old tulip glasses, even though they're expensive, I think when you pour it into there, it looks very nice. Well, let's nice talk about the bells. Erica and Tessa, what do you think about this beer? We're going to start asking you guys to, to be beer experts. <laughs> Since you've been in the family business for 20 years. Exactly. So what do you think about the Bells? I'm a fan. Yeah. Good Good answer, Rika. And what are some of the styles that that you'll be tasting us on tonight from Atlantic Brewing? Yes. I know your rep is is going to be in there a few minutes, but give us a little preview. Brandon actually hopefully should be bringing our cool porter, which is reminiscent of this. It's got a similar dafty thing. I say this one's a little sharper, probably. Ours is a creamier porter. What's the, AB, what's the ABV on your porter? Well, alcohol content. Uh, <laughs> I know, but I don't know. Oh, all right. You don't know. <laughs> Sorry about so let's that. Get, so it's, it's I'll a, let you Enrique know later. Tessa. What's your last name? Because I can never pronounce it. Mafucci. Mafucci. So you guys are like the mafia of Bar Harbor, Maine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I heard there's a thriving... We're going to give you a little... Tessa uh, Beach. We heard there's a, a thriving you know, beer scene in Bar Harbor, and I asked you, I said, the Thirsty Whale. Now, do you know the Thirsty Whale? We do. It was actually the first place um, that poured our beer back 21 years ago now. Yeah, our first account. Okay, then there's a place called Bar Harbor Brewing. Mm-hmm. It's now one of our breweries. We acquired them... Yeah, so your family owns that. Yeah. And what was the place that your, your family first started at? The Lompoc Cafe was a restaurant. We had a one tank, I think, in there, 91. Yeah, and, uh, started off small. Yeah, so you started making brew. beer in a restaurant? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's exciting. Yeah. So what, what, like, what was that like when, you, when your parents started? Did they have like one beer at a time? Did they have multiple beers that they made? Was yeah. it a brew pub? Was it a restaurant? It was it was a restaurant that became a brew pub. They started brewing the real ale, um, and then it was pretty popular, and we needed more space, so we 
expanded to the restaurant next door. Yeah. <laughs> In our defense, we were both around three and four at the time, so we're catching up as we. That's what I was going to say. say. Why are you asking them? They, they can't remember this. <laughs> but, yep, and then. Yeah, and then do you still expanded. do you still own that restaurant? No, we sold it a while ago, probably decade ago. Yes. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. But yeah, it's been a slowly evolving process to become the Mafuchi Beer Mafia in Bar Harbor, Maine. Yep. Well, what about because the- we, on the way in, I thought, oh, there's a thriving beer scene in Bar Harbor, <laughs> and you guys own everything. Is there anything else in Bar Harbor that, any other brewery in Bar Harbor that you guys don't own? There are a couple of little like, home brewers. I mean, yeah. lots of people actually up there into that scene. But but nothing, nothing else that bottles beer. Well, we are, we are going to raise our glass to you guys because the main beer scene's really great, and people in New York look up to things like Allagash and Main Beer Company in Portland. Absolutely, and uh, we haven't. I haven't had any any beers from Bar Harbor before in New York. And on Thursday this week, you'll be uh, we'll be tasting some of your beers at Jimmy's Number Forty Three, along with our good friends from Luke's Lobster. They got their their soup chef coming in to to do some uh, main soups and uh, serve lobster rolls. On the house, yeah, it's because be they're so excited about working with you guys. <laughs> great main evening, yeah. Yeah. So what, what is it. what is is there a main vibe? Is Bar Harbor and Portland are they equal? Are you guys friendly, or is it like different communities? Different, friendly, friendly. Yeah. yeah, friendly but different. Absolutely. I mean, Bar Harbor is much smaller, mm-hmm. more isolated on an island. Yeah, but Bar Harbor. I mean, is it an island? Yeah, yeah, Mount yeah. Desert Island. So, I mean, Portland's the big city. You know, you go there to, like, go shopping and everything. Yeah, if you want, like, Starbucks, you got to go four hours south. <laughs> well, <laughs> Great Lost Bear, I think. Is that the yep. big beer bar there? Yep. That's, yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. And is it Bar Hub is more of a summer place? Very much so, yeah. Pretty quiet in the winter. You can do snow angels in the streets. Yeah. So, what, what do you, so with your beers in the summer, do you, do you have, like, a se- seasonal production? How, how do you do that? Do you mostly sell there in the summer, and then you're trying to ship to other places in the winter? Yeah, we produce year-round, but um, the big peak is in Bar Harbor in the summer, and now we're just starting to get into the out-of-state sales. So it, it, when did you decide to, to come into the New York City market? I think we made a couple you know, sort of initial attempts, probably when you picked up our tap handle back when. Um, but it's, it's always been when. a little tentative because you know, we're, we're so small, and it's definitely hard to get down from Maine. You know, the distribution side's tough. We're just so, so far away. But um, it's really been kind of a conscious choice in the past year or so, I would say, to really start trying to sell outside of our little local area. And what role do, do you each have in your family's businesses? I mean, you have certain jobs, don't yeah, you? Yeah. Sure, aside I mean, from... Daughters. What was, yeah, the, what was the first job you ever had in the brewery when you were little? First job... Labeling? Probably yeah. labeling, yeah. We, the two of us on the little tiny labeling machine had a, a pedal, and I would press the pedal, and Enrica here would load the bottles in. One at a time. Yeah, yeah. it was a very, very small production line, but that was our contribution, probably. Yeah. First. Because you were small, too? or <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then what, what are your roles now? Tessa does a lot more of the graphic design. We just redid all of our labeling and reworking our website, and she's yeah. been working on that. Um, Trying to make it prettier. That's yeah. been my role. <laughs> and, um, I mean, Enrica is more aware of the beers than I am, more conscious of the profiles and the yeah. flavors and all that. I've been going out, visiting accounts, and sort of bringing it to New York City as best I can. So The rep plus. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, it's kind of interesting. I mean, a family business like that. I mean, wow. So how much beer do you guys make? You have Bar Harbor. Are they separate breweries? They are. I mean, so we... Bar Harbor Brewing and Atlantic Brewing. Mm-hmm. We share facilities, but they're separate brands. So um, you make them in one place? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wait a second. I've got a question. The Bar Harbor, because Bar Harbor makes a blueberry ale also. They do. Right? Our true blue, we call it. Yeah. So are they two different ales? They or, are two different. Or just yeah. two different handles? They're two different Different ales, ales. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They were developed independently. Um, Atlantic was the first to do the blueberry. Then Bar Harbor did a version. I mean, everything in Bar Harbor is all about blueberries. So <laughs> everyone who has an opportunity to put a blueberry in something will definitely do it. But yeah, we... We started off with the um, Atlantic version, and now we have the Bar Harbor as well. Okay. Let me ask our, our special guest, Alex. Let's just put him on for a minute. Alex, uh, have you ever had blueberry beer? No, I haven't. You know, it's it's one of those things when it's, it's – I think it took people a while to get used to pumpkin beer, and now pumpkin is so popular in the fall. When I think of blueberry beer, it ekes me out. But I, I did really? order some of yours yeah. for this week. Is it sweet or what is it? I don't know. What, so what is it about blueberries? It's, it's just like having a fruit in there that makes it, what, sour, sweet? Ours is actually more of a blueberry aroma. Um, and then the flavor, the blueberry comes in a little bit at the sort of as an aftertaste, but it's not as strong. Um, ours isn't sweetened or anything. We started it when a group of, um, it was a farmer, I think, came by with a truckload of blueberries. So we made it. Brewed it with the blueberries there in the tank in the Lompoc way, way back in the day. Um, and it was really popular because we didn't add sugar. Or so what, what point do you put the blueberries in? They are added after. <laughs> I would say early. I mean, once again, not exactly our purview. We know shamefully little about the process. So who are the brewers? John, John and we have John and James. Yeah, they go in after. Very talented. They're in Maine. I wish they could be here. They would be way, they're way probably listening better now and laughing. Yeah, and, uh, they're probably getting okay. a real kick out of this. Now, the last tough question. Uh, how, how big is your production facility? How many barrels? We do between five and 6,000 barrels a year. I That's think. great. So you guys are like little guys. So yeah. we can still hang out. Oh, yeah. yeah we're That's fine. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the smallest production brewery in the world, uh, Foggy Noggins, on Beer Sessions Radio.
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Here we are with, uh, we got a great lineup. We got uh, the family from Atlantic Brewing in Bar Harbor, Maine, Ed Barastecki from Muggs House and some special guests. Uh, on the phone, we've got uh, the owner of the world's smallest production brewery, uh, Jim Jamison from Foggy Noggin Brewing in Washington State. Jim, are you on the air? Yes, I'm here. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. We, we I know we met last year, and uh, I was just looking at your blog the other day. So you haven't upla- updated your blog since March of 2012. Is that true? <laughs> well, we we do a we update it every week on what's going to be on tap in our tasting room. But we when we do a beer trip, like our last one was to New York back in February, we we posted a kind of a recap of all of our beer adventures when we were in New York. Well, I want to say that that's an awesome post. You really got a good good sense of New York, and thanks for what you said about our friends Blind Tiger and Jimmy's Number Forty Three. And thank you for back. sending your beers to us. Um, I don't know if you've met Ed Ed Barastecki owns a Mugs Ale House, one of the great beer bars in New York. He's celebrating twenty years, so he's here with me tonight, and we have um, some people from Atlantic Brewing, a, a, a small brewery up in Maine, too. Um, why don't we do this? Let, let's Ed will tell us what this is. Ed, say hi to Jim. Hi, Jim. How are you? Uh, tell us what beer you have, and then Jim can tell us a little bit about that. Well, let's I start f- that way. I figured I I I, f- I picked the 2012 anniversary English style Old Dale because it's my anniversary coming up, so I figured it'd be the appropriate thing to do. Uh, a little curious because it's like only six point eight because usually anniversary ales are higher in alcohol. But I, you know, I'll let you talk about it and we'll have you comment on it. Well, we're really looking to, to traditional English heritage, and that's what all of our beers are really attempting to do. You know, in the Fuller's kind of uh, mind uh, stay with some of their vintage ales in their um, eighteen forty five. You know, that higher six, low per seven percent is kind of the, the extremes that they typically do. Um, that's enough alcohol really to age a beer well, and following it on that character, you know, we really want the full character of all the, the malts, the hops, and the yeast to be able to, to accent that beer so not one development really overtakes that beer. Right. And so this beer was brewed um, in December of 2011. It was bottle-aged and released in March of 2012 to, for a second anniversary. It's the second time we've done this beer, same beer, and I've tasted the, the 11 version versus the 12 version, and it's just aging just beautifully and just becoming a little bit more smooth, more well-rounded. We like it. It's good. So um, where did your interest come from? Um, you know, I, I read that in 1979, you used to hang out at the Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. And yeah, Produce Row Cafe was such a iconic bar back in the, in the late 70s in Portland, uh, McMinniman Brothers were, were part of the um, ownership, which uh, you know now has got like 100 locations throughout the Northwest. But uh, it was at that time they carried every bottled beer that you could bring into the state of Oregon, and they had a menu that was a trifold and it had about 1,200 bottles of beer all around the world. It took me about four years, but I tried every single one of them. I made notes and I kept that. I wish I still had that menu in my, in my hand because it was such a great adventure to to, to check out the world's beers at that time when they really weren't that available. And the English beers are the ones I always came back to, saying, every time I hit the Irish or the or the um, Scottish beers or the English beers, you know, they, they just had a special meaning to me on that, that balance and that full depth of what that beer's all about. Well, you have a serious list of beers. I mean, how do you do it? You have a half-barrel system. Um, you know, how often do you brew? And, and do you sell these beers to what, other bars? Or, you know, what, what is actually going on with your brewery? 
We do. We only brew on the weekends, so we have half-barrel batches. We have six fermenters. We're doing three barrels a weekend. It's about 20 hours of brewing. We have a tasting room right here on our property, and we're open on Saturdays for three hours, one to four. And we have about 20 tap accounts. So whatever is not sold, which is sometimes nothing is left over, but sometimes we've got maybe a a half barrel or a barrel, we go out to one of our 20 tap accounts, and they're all waiting for it. So whatever we got, they're willing to take on. And what what are the laws in Washington State? So if I go into your tasting room, can I buy a beer? Do I have to buy a token? How does it work? In our tasting room, we do uh, tasters. We do pints. You can get a pint and sit around and chat with uh, other friends, or you take a growler home. And then we, the the other beer that I sent to you, the Lasky, is our latest uh, bottled beer, and it's a year, it's a constant bottling. So that's a beer that we're going to continue to bottle, and that's the only one you can get right now in our tasting room for, in a bottle. Great, we're going to taste that right now. Um, so you, you you got your start drinking at Produce Row Cafe. I love that, man. I just love the history of the, the Pacific Northwest. To me, is so far away, but you guys have been drinking good beer for a long time. Um, were there yeah, other yeah. other other small breweries in your area that inspired you, or that, or that you'd like to recommend to us? Well, I mean, in the Northwest, I mean, you know, started off with uh, you know, Bert Grant was kind of a pioneer in the Yakima, and he was real. You know, he's the one who invented the pelletized hop. And then you had the Whitmer Brothers in Portland, and you had Red Hook and Pyramid up in the Seattle area. And you know, uh, back in then, I was starting to write about beer as a hobby, just for fun, and got to know some of these guys. And you know, I was like, God, that'd be so cool if I could ever get into that business. And and uh, you know, I have a regular forty-hour week, regular job. But I'll tell you what, getting through that week um, just so I can be around the beer is just is all the motivation you need. Well, Jim, I like your beer, and I'm Ed weighing on it too. But one reason I I know that I like your beer is that when you visited us in New York last year, you said your favorite beer of the trip was the Ridgeways, the seriously bad ale, and um, that was actually good because we'd kept that keg for a couple months. So I call that keg conditioning. But um, thank you, man. I, I think that you have good taste in beer. So thank you. Yeah, I'd like to compliment you because like the English style ales are actually. Not too many people stay on top of that, especially in the States. Um, you don't see those styles around anymore. I mean, I've been around doing this for 20 years, and I, I, I side with you as far as what you said about the 40-hour work week. For seven of those 20 years, I did the same thing, and it was you always looked forward to that, even though I didn't brew, but I was selling it on, on retail end. And, um, but the styles, you know, you, you really you, they stand out, I, I think. Um, you know, now everybody in New York is looking for IPAs, and you know, now in this season it's pumpkin. And you know, you, I, I'm a hophead, <laughs> or I used to be, I should say, because I uh, my palate has gotten ruined by all the hops that it have, have, have I, I have tasted in the past. But it's nice to drink these because it brings you kind of back to like what you mentioned. Yeah, and let's get Alex, one of our studio guests. Alex, what do you think of the beer? Which one are we drinking right now, Ed? You're drinking the West, the, the Waski, Waski, right? yeah. It's it's a good beer. Actually, I I I myself also love hops too, so I'm a little more into the hop flavor. But I, I love it. It's a good beer. So so the Waski is a you know Burton ale, and you know one of the things about you know read, I like to read about the, the English brewing tradition and the history. And you know pre IPA days, the Burton ale was the go to beer for people brewed up on the Burton on Trent region. And right. you know through reading as much as I could get my hands on, I decided I wanted to take a gamble and. And, and work on that beer, and this is the result of many test batches and a lot of years of research, and you know things like blackstrap molasses and their brown sugar, and and some of those English hops like the Target 
hop is really the critical hop in that beer because um, it's, it's a great bittering hop, but it's got that earthiness to it that doesn't ruin your palate. It's not a palate wrecker like a lot of the traditional Northwest, West Coast style hops are. Right. And then we even modify our water to be as close to Burton on Trent that we can. And so you get that metallic up front kind of um, just taste on the tip of your tongue that kind of sets you up for the rest of the experience. Now, you mentioned that the, the Waski is the one that is bottled. Is that the one? That, yes. That, yes. And the other two bottlings that you have here are very limited? or um, The Anniversary Ale comes out one time a year. Okay. So March 20th was our grand opening in 2010. So whatever the closest Saturday to March 20th each year, we release that only on that day. It sells out in about 20 minutes. And then the uh, Old Cruise, which is the third beer I gave you, was a Cabernet barrel-aged uh, English strong ale. It was in there for a year. And we've only done that one time, and we sold that in bottles, and we don't have any left. You got one of the last bottles we've got. How do you three barrels and, and you bottle still on top of the three barrels? I, 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 I'm I'm stumped here. I just can't figure it out. I apologize, but three barrels a week you said you produce. Yeah, but so when we do a bottling run, you typically we're doing um, somewhere between thirty to forty cases, and that's taken. You know, that takes us you know many many weeks of brewing because right. we, we got to do our, our normal beers that we're doing for production. You know, our English bitter, our porter. Whatever our current seasonal is, and so we, we try to reserve a little space in some of our fermenters to do some of our bottling beers too. Okay, well, I respect what you did. I mean, one of my favorite breweries in the, in the city, New York City area is a Barrier Brewing, and for the first two years they worked on a one barrel system, and they were servicing yeah about twenty accounts, including they brought they brought Jimmy's number forty three two kegs a week. So um, it's it's doable. I actually like working on a, the brewers that work on a small scale. I mean, you, you probably feel really you know in tune with your beer, don't you? Well, we, yeah, exactly. We know what's going on in every single batch. You know, we, we're tasting all the way. We're taking readings. And you know instantly if something's gone opposite the way you want it to go. So you've got to decide what you're going to do with it. Are we going to make that same beer? Or are we going to modify it because it's, it's not what we want? Or do we blend it? And we've got some wonderful beers that end up from blends because, like our English bitter, only 3.4% alcohol, that's a beer that you can't over um, attenuate. So if it's too dry, there's not enough sweetness, and so you got to do something with it. So we've blended that with other beers to come some great, great blended beers that have resulted to be some of our fantastic uh, favorites. Jim, another question. Okay, so the Waski is a Burton Ale. I, I really like it. So what happened from from Burton Ale like this to Bass that everybody knows as the commercial ale? The transition. Yeah, what did they lose? Well, Bass was one of the, the famous brewers of a Burton Ale. And, uh, um, you know, the story goes back when the... I believe Coors is what bought Bass Brewery, and they're doing some renovations. They found some cases of this of their Burton Ale that was over 100 years old, and they carefully stored it away, and they opened it up, and they said the beer had aged, and it was just amazingly perfect. And it was, and Bass was one of the famous ones. You know, they have their, their triangular triangle on their, their labels, and the Bass Burton Ale was a really um, popular beer, as well as many other ones, but they were probably the most famous of the time. But that was pre-IPA, and so then the IPA came in, and, and then the hoppy, the hoppy, the less malty, uh, the little bit more um, cheaper beer, because it was a typical one year in a barrel before it was released from the brewery. So that took a lot of time, and, you know, I think, you know, time is money. All right. Hey, um, we'll take a short break. Jim, can you stay on the air with us for the second segment? 
Absolutely. And we'll talk more with the, the, the people from Atlantic Brewing, okay? We'll be back on Beer Sessions Radio. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here in Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, one of my favorite places. We've got some special guests tonight. If you don't know about the Culinary Trust, you should check it out. Uh, go to IACP.com, International Association of Culinary Professionals. Julia Child uh, was one of the people that founded that group, and uh, the Culinary Trust is their ongoing charitable arm, which funds a culinary education. And um, lucky these guys, Alex and Vern, Zvolev, uh, they bought the, the they're here on the there. show. They spent five thousand dollars a year. No, not that much, but we Good do man. we do donate things like that uh, at charitable auctions a lot. People try to get creative about charities, and you know people want experiences these days. So sometimes at Jimmy's Number Forty Three, we'll donate a beer for a year. People can come and get one beer a day, or we'll donate donate something like a craft beer day, and you come out and uh, hang with us on the radio show. And that's another side of what we do. We were always out there trying to you know innovate and. Uh, you know, work with good groups. But uh, Brandon Moore, who's our American beer rep, cool guy. American beer is one of those small, old, family-owned uh, distributorships in New York City. I think they started selling ice, and uh, they've, they've been the guys that have basically brought all the new cool craft breweries into New York. And um, they're now bringing in Atlantic Brewing. So that's why we have uh, Enrica and uh, Tessa um, from Atlantic Brewing. So we've got their beers finally. Let's, let's start with the first beer. Which one are we going to try first, Enrica? Um, we could probably start with our New Guy IPA. Um, we use Columbus hops, so it's a little. But it's really called New Guy IPA. New Guy IPA. It's named actually after one of our, or after one of our brewers. Um, it was his homebrew recipe that was modified um, for this beer, and he was the new guy, the third brewer. So great. Um, we can. So we're talking a little more. So your brewery is, is fairly small. I mean, you guys make five, six thousand barrels a year. That puts you on a pretty small scale. You know, craft. Craft definition has expanded as some breweries grow, like Sam Adams. You are talking about millions of barrels a year. Um, for us, craft is still, you know, it's, it's, it's a small brewery. And we want small breweries. We want to meet the owners and their family. And, um, you know, guys like Jim James and Jim, he's still on the line. I'm still here. Jim's a foggy noggin. He's making a half barrel at a time. And you know what? Sometimes that's all you need. You know, th- these little guys can make really good beer and with really good ingredients. And uh, also give a little personality. Uh, to the beer. So this is the New Guy IPA from Atlantic Brewing. Yeah, this is this is New Guy, and I have some direct details from our brewer. Tells me, reminds me, we um, mash this at a low temperature, um, so we got less maltiness, um, but the hops still stand out. So it's a nice sort of a more well paired. What's the ABV? ABV of that one um, is <laughs> six and a half. Six put and a half. So put Brandon on. You could easily. Brandon's one of the the, the good beer guys in New York right. here. Brandon, come on. Um, Let's impress you. Know, it is a, it is a brand new IPA um, that into the market, so we don't have all the details on it yet. But uh, I think the best thing about a new beer is you drink it and decide for yourself. But it's six point two percent, from what I remember, roughly between six and six and a half. 
we're splitting hairs, let's say six point two seven. It's nice. Uh, <laughs> and, and what do you think of this? It's it's like soft. It's, it's not it's not too assertive. You know, it's, it's funny. I talked to somebody about this. I think even Jimmy here. I think I talked to him earlier today about Jimmy this. from Lagunitas, right? And not the Jimmy from Jimmy. Um, we're starting to see IPAs that are showing up with lower ABVs. We had uh, one up from Coonan a couple weeks ago, which was at 4.5% for an IPA. Um, the ABV levels seem to be coming down, and it's kind of odd for an old-timer like me because I like the super-duper crazy IPAs, like the one we brewed for our anniversary. That's 8.5%. Hey, let's, go, let's go back. Let's go back a number of years. Anchor Liberty Ale. Yes. Do you still have that on tap? Yes. Uh, what do you like about it? <laughs> Is this your legacy or do you really like it? I, you know, I was I used to be a give me liberty, give me death type of guy at one point, but I transitioned from bass, as Jim spoke about, um, as, as the pale ale. I, actually, it was an IPA, I think. Bass was uh, labeled as. Transitioned it to Anchor Liberty, and then I moved on from there, and now my palate is wrecked. So I, I uh, Liberty for me is a good beer. It's still up. We have a uh, loyal following. You know, we, we pour it loyally, and we've been pouring it for 20 years. You know? you know, one of our regular guests, John Siegel from the Siegel Family Ranch, who's one of the, the innovators in, you know, Pacific Northwest hops, um, they, he told a story once of how his family created, a, a, was it the Cascade hop? Probably. It was one of the first hops that was used in Anchor Liberty. Right. So there's a lot of good stories here. Um, let's. What's the next beer, guys? We, we tried the the Nice Guy IPA. Let's go what's with next, the, the blueberry. Let's go with the blueberry. Let's do blueberry. This is this blueberry. What I love about this blueberry is it's a lager. Number one and number two, from what I understand, and not having brewed this beer myself, that it is somewhat dry hopped uh, as a term. So it's not, there's not blueberries in the mash, from what I understand. So you just get blueberry and the aroma. So you get the great flavor of a lager, but you get this essence of blueberry, like towards the end and in the aroma. So it's really easy to drink. It's not sweet from using blueberry sauces and sugars and things like that. Yeah, I mean, so you're using whole fruit. Like if you're making yeah. a lambic with cherries or something. It tastes great, I have yeah. to say. I, 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 I've always been afraid of tasting blue. It's my first blueberry beer ever. I, I worked in the tasting room in Bar Harbor, um, and I would always say, just try it, because people come in and they're like, never a fruit beer. And they're like, oh, it does. It gives a little, like a a little, little tartness. <laughs> it actually probably makes the beer better. So, Ed, <laughs> do you ever carry any blueberry beers at uh, Mugs Ale House? was the first, actually, years ago. How many I years still ago? Ta- I, I'm trying to think. I'm sitting here trying to think of when it was, but it had to have been mid to upper 90s, somewhere around there. Upper 90s, I think, maybe 98, 99, somewhere around there. No? Potentially. You don't remember. Well, you guys were what? You were eight at that point anyway. Or so you guys, you, you, you guys came down once to New York. And then how long were you, were you distributing in New York back then? You know, I don't even know if we were down that early. I think it was probably just like maybe a few years ago. But no, I I, maybe maybe early 2000s then. I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember. But Brandon, um, let's talk to Brandon because Brandon knows about what's going on. With yes. This. Brandon, uh, besides the blueberry, what, what are the other beers that uh, we should try? Uh, the Cole Porter is, is possibly the smoothest session porter ale on the market right now. Um, it's just a great drinking beer. I've had a number of cu- 
customers tell me that it's their absolute favorite porter. I'd love to see that we could get it in draft more. We just have it in bottle. It's available at Whole Foods locations, uh, the Bowery location in specific, because the buyer there happens to be her favorite porter, so she makes sure it's always in stock. And that's saying a lot, considering that she works at Whole Foods Bowery. If you've ever been in that beer store, it's ridiculous. There's probably 25 porters in there or more. So, Wow. All right. Um, I actually have a, an announcement, Brandon. I don't know if this news has made it to you. It's pretty brand new. Um, right after Thanksgiving, we're actually going to have all of our beers on draft. Oh. Um, we've just finally worked out the details. as of Surprise. Congratulations. <laughs> so you'll be seeing a lot more Atlantic Brewing in the market on draft, whereas now it's kind of hard to find the bottle. I mean, we have it at our store in Brooklyn, but it's been, you know, we've been waiting for them to come to the market. When I first started as a sales rep at American Beer in Brooklyn, the number one requested product for me was Bar Harbor's Blueberry Ale. That's all, and I had never seen it or tasted it, so I just had to tell them that it doesn't exist. And they said, it does, we had it, you don't full shit, you're new, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I was like, look, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, obviously. Then it finally came in, you, sent it, you guys sent us like six kegs, thank you. I'm saying that sincerely, because when I tasted it, I was like, okay, it is really good. And then now we're getting it on a regular basis, so you can find it at all the best beer bars in New York. You know, They're ordering like one or two at a time, so I couldn't tell you exactly where it's at, but... Yeah, they go fast in the city. All right, so cool, Porto. What's the next one? We want to try to get taste as many of your beers as you can, and then Ed, you have one more beer. Let's. Uh, we did the bells. What do you want to taste after that? I actually don't want to taste one of mine. I want to taste one of Jim's. I want to taste the old cruise. That's what I'm curious about. This old cruise. I'm actually pissed off that I opened it because I could have sold it on eBay later, and I'm <laughs> sure it would have made tons of money. <laughs> well, what's the What's the next beer you just poured, Enrica? This one is our brother Adam Braggett. Um, it's actually a honey uh, barley wine. Um, wanna... This is what we need for split. Dust. It's um, yeah. the the Braggett ale. It's it's basically they named it Brother Adams after a after a monk in like the mid eighteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds that that made a, a, an actual bee, um, and the bee was uh, the Buckfast bee, and this bee was known for. Having delicious honey and also being a very gentle bee, if that is well, any... Well, bra- Braggett, that's when you make a beer with honey? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it was originally an anniversary beer, Honeymoon. This is good. I, I like I like your local beers. I think you guys should make... I like the beer with blueberry. It's kind of distinctive. And this Braggett's pretty good, too. And it's, it's great that you guys came in. Let's introduce Jim Jim Lyon from uh, Lagunitas. He's our local rep now. Uh, Ed, what is this beer? Old Cruise what? What's the special beer they have? No, this isn't their beer. Oh, whose beer is this? This is Jim that's on the telephone's beer. Well, I'm, I'm Jim from uh, Lagunitas, but that's not my beer. <laughs> Forget you. <laughs> Jim Jameson, you're still on the line from Foggy Noggin? I hope he's still on there. Are you still on, Jim? Yeah, I'm still here. All right. All right. Oh, we're drinking your Old Cruise. What's the Old Cruise? Old Cruise is an Imperial English Strong Ale um, that we we brewed, 9.5%, and then we stuck it in a freshly uh, emptied Cabernet barrel from uh, Gordon Brothers Winery in uh, eastern Washington. Sat there for one year in our tasting room, and then we bottled it. We let it sit in the kegs for about six months before, uh, in our kegs, six months car, uh, conditioned, and then we uh, bottled it out. and. What you've got has been there for about, oh, probably about a year and a half it's been bottled. Jim, um, it is dark in color. I love it's it. passing around. I love this. So uh, um, like, like many brewers, you're getting into using wine barrels to age. Um, what is that about? What, why did you f- first get interested in doing that? 
Well, you know, uh, I, I connected with the head winemaker at Gordon Brothers. We wanted to do a project together. He's always had a, a real passion for beer. And thought to go in a Cabernet barrel, you really need something dark and rich and real malty. You need enough alcohol in there that's going to fight any kind of any sourness that may come through because the longer you're going to be in there, you're going to get a little bit of sour character. And so we decided to do that that uh, 9.5% Imperial Strong Ale, which has enough malty presence to it that could stand up to it. And um, over time, it's just getting smoother and smoother. So I crack the bottle about every every couple of months and check it. And it, you know, I'll probably be out when it hits its peak because it gets better each time I try it. Wow. Amazing. So, Ed, you know your twentieth anniversary is coming up at Mugsdale House. How, like, do you have what are the do you have older beers that you've kept in your cellar? Like, how old are some of the beers you have? You know, I'm crazy about aging, man. I've aged beers five years, ten years, twenty years. I think the oldest one I ever put up, I think, was last year. Actually, I had a Dogfish Head Immort on draft from two thousand. One, I think it was sitting down there for about nine or ten years. I don't remember exactly the date there, but uh, I love aging beer. I mean, I, I I like what it does to the beer. I mean, I had I drank a Bass King's Ale that was a hundred years old, and so I love aged beer. Um, I think there's a point in time where you have to stop aging it, and especially the more hoppy beers where the hop character is gone and deflated from the beer, especially in IPAs. But uh, I love doing it. And, you know, our IPA this, this, that we're going to be debuting on Saturday is an 8.5%, so I'm hoping that we can – I'm going to hold on to a couple and see what happens with it. You know, so I love aging beers. All right. Well, this has been yeah, fun. I think about three to five years is about the, the peak for most uh, aging bottles of beer. You know, it depends, but you've got to have something over 6.5% alcohol, really, to take on any aging character. Right. But uh, you look at some of those, you know, Fuller's Vintage Ale is a great one. You can look right now about 2007s, if you can find them. They're pouring really, really good. I have them in my um, basement. I, I like to collect <laughs> the uh, uh, Samuel Smith Stingos when they come out, and they're those are beautifully aged beers too we have we still have some thomas hardy sitting downstairs we have a lot of the old english style which you would appreciate you should, next time you're in new york you got to come visit us and we'll sit Absolutely. down and uh and, and crack a couple of those open but uh i love aging yeah i mean the five to six year mark is good because i think after you know especially after 10 years i think you really get a lot of sherry character coming out of everything that that ages and it kind of fuses all the beers together i think but I agree. Uh, yeah all right. Jim, it was nice talking to you. Same here. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, let's just take a minute, and we'll talk about some special events coming up in New York. Uh, mark your calendars for the Village Voice's second annual Brooklyn Pour. It's this Saturday, October 6th in Brooklyn. Also, our friends on Staten Island are getting ready for the Richmond County Craft Beer Festival at Kilmeyer's Old Bavarian Inn on October 7th. And we're producing, Beer Sessions Radio is producing a, a special event for Cider Week. It's called Harvest Beer Insider Sessions. It's October 13th at a new venue in Williamsburg called Factory on Kent. We'll have over 20 uh, regional ciders, including Greg Hall. Uh, he's premiering his Virtue Cider from, uh, from the Midwest. Premiering. And Steve Wood from Farnham Hill. So that's going to be a pretty neat uh, Cider Week kickoff. It's Cider Week New York. Check it out. All right, and our friends at uh, Brooklyn Homebrew and Sycamore, a good Brazil bar, they're hosting Brooklyn Wart. Another year of that. It's one of the better homebrew events in New York City on October 27th. Check out brooklynwart.com and go to goodbrazil.com 
for more information. Wow, this has been a really great show. I'm just going to go around the room and thank our sponsors, greatbrewers.com, who helped bring the podcast to you tonight. Thank you to the Good Brew Seal, goodbrewseal.com. Thanks to Enrica and Teresa from Atlantic Brewing, uh, Brandon Moore from American, Ed from Mugs, and uh, Jim from uh, Foggy Noggins and Jim from Lagunitas. So, and especially thanks to Vern and Alex, uh, who are supporting of the Culinary Trust. Thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Ginsley and Brie O'Connor, and our special and engineer. Thank you, Jimmy. And Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening to us on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>